As you're standing, would you open your Bible to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2? 1 Peter chapter 2. <clears throat> we honor the reading of God's word in this house, and that's why we stand. 1 Peter chapter 2 in verse 4. I began a series a few weeks ago entitled A Chosen People. It comes out of this passage here, and I, I feel like it's actually very fitting, even our Candidate Sunday, I feel like the, the Lord orchestrated this and kind of lined it out. I didn't intend for it to be this way. I do have these notes in the Bible app if you like to use that U version. It's there under events. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version this morning. And it says this, As you come to him, come to Jesus, he was a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God was chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jump down to verse 9, and this is what it says. You are a chosen race. Say, you are chosen. And it says, you are a royal priesthood. Say, I'm a royal priesthood. It says, you are a holy nation. Say that, I'm a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Let's pray and let's ask the Lord's hand on this time as we open his word together. Lord, I thank you for your hand that is upon each and every one of us. I pray, Jesus, that you would bless the word as we receive it today. That as we dive into this, Holy Spirit, I pray that your voice would be heard beyond the wisdom of man or anything that I can bring to the table. I ask for an anointing to rest upon this room. Lord, that you would anoint every listener within the sound of my voice. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. And Lord, I pray that an anointing would rest upon me. Not man's wisdom, but your wisdom coming forth today. Lord, I ask that you would give us liberty in receiving your word. We pray in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus. And everybody say, amen. amen. You may be seated. This is uh, an idea that, is, that, that came into my heart actually several months ago. I've been praying. I've been uh, just kind of meditating on, on some ideas and I shared this in the first week, but there was a moment in a prayer meeting. I was with a group of pastors, and I remember one of the pastors praying something along these lines. He said, um, God, we've done a good job as a church of understanding our identity as sons and daughters of God. But it's time that we graduate to become the kings and the priests who rule and reign with God. And I remember when he prayed that, something just struck my heart. And it's like, wow. I mean, I grew up in a fatherless kind of situation. My dad would start a new family every couple of years. But even the pastor I spent time with this last week, he's like, you know, I can't believe that you grew up without a father. You don't carry that father wound in that nature in any way. And I say, yeah, God truly 
has healed me. I know that I'm a son. I'm, and you can know that you're a daughter. I know I'm a child of the Most High God. I, I know that I have an inheritance. I, I know that I'm an heir and a co-heir with God Almighty. But my concern is that many of us, even over the last decades, it's become a popular topic in the church, and we've come to that point. But now what? How many of you know there's a time where you grow up as a child and you, you learn skills, you're going through school, but there's a point in time where we all must say, it's time to do something with my life. I, I, need to, I need to go. I need to get a job. I need to step into my purpose and my destiny. And, and church, that's the point of this series. I'm sharing a couple promises that, that God has. In fact, we read that passage in 1 Peter, and, and you'll notice that there were a couple things that the Lord said. He says that he's chosen us as his own possession. We have rights and we have an inheritance. Did you know you're a son or you're a daughter of the Most High God? You know that. He's, we dealt with the fact that... Um, that as a people, we're not just sons and daughters, but we are priests. Now, I shared about how all of us, it's not just for people who are ordained in ministry, but the Bible has called all who believe in Jesus a holy priesthood. I want you to tell your neighbor you're a priest. Yeah. Now, that's crazy to consider. But we even talked about how with a priest there are certain duties. We're to praise and worship God. We're to do good. We're to be givers. We're to offer the strength of our body. That means work hard. We're to bring people to Jesus. Uh, all of this, by the way, was covered last week. If I'm going fast and you're trying to take notes, just check out last week. You'll get it. We're to love sacrificially and we're to be a people of prayer. That's what it is to be a kingdom of priests. But what I want to deal with today is the fact that we're not just called to be sons and daughters of God. We're not just called to be priests of God, and that's a high calling, friend. But the Bible has also called us to be a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests. Did you know the Bible calls you a king? The Bible calls you a king. Uh, I don't know if a queen is a substitute there. We reflect the king of kings, and we are kings. I love the fact one of our candidates is wearing a king's shirt even this morning. Uh, I love it. Tell your neighbor your royalty. That's right. If you have... Studied. I want to give you, I'm going to give you today two great examples of exactly what I feel like this is to look like. I believe, friend, that part of the reason God's favor has been on our nation to the degree that it has is from the very beginning, from the foundation of our nation, there was a group of people who understood that they not only represented people, but they represented God. And when we come to grips with this, I tell you, there is a favor that cannot be bought. There is a favor that cannot be earned. It's a favor that only God himself can give. There's a kingly anointing for every one of us to walk in. In fact, if you study American history, you would see that 93% of the 55 delegates of the Constitutional Convention were members of Christian churches. It's amazing. 93%. They, 
in, they were influenced by a biblical view on government and on mankind. In fact, I, I wanted to quote some of our presidents uh, this morning as we dive into this. Did you know President George Washington, our first president, he said, It is impossible to rightly govern the world without God and the Bible. Our second president, John Adams, said, Statesmen, they may plan and speculate liberty, but it is religion and morality alone that can establish the principles on which freedom can securely stand. In a letter to Thomas Jefferson on June 28, 1813, he wrote to John Adams, John Adams wrote, The general principle on which the fathers achieved independence were the only principles in which the beautiful assembly of young gentlemen could unite. And what were these general principles? The answer, the general principles of Christianity. Andrew Jackson, our seventh president, said the Bible is the rock on which our republic rests. Woodrow Wilson our 28th president said America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelation of Holy Scripture. Calvin Coolidge, our 30th president, said that the strength of our country is the strength of religious convictions. The foundation of our society and government rests so much on the teachings of the Bible, it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practiced in our country. I could go on and on. I'll share just a couple more. When Harry Truman, Harry S. Truman was taking the oath, becoming president in 1949, he specifically had the Bible open to Matthew 5, 3 through 11, and Exodus 20, verses 3 through 7, which are the Sermon on the Mount and the Ten Commandments. And there's moments throughout history, it's incredible, that mark how our founders yearned to have God in the center of our nation. In fact, when President George Washington was inaugurated in New York, after the inauguration, the first thing that he did was to take a procession to a chapel where they continued for four hours in a prayer meeting to make a covenant between God and our nation. It's amazing. It's amazing. In fact, an interesting historical side note is that same chapel is still standing. In New York, when the Twin Towers came down, you may remember there was a particular church that was right there that was miraculously standing considering the devastation that had come. And that was the very chapel where George Washington and those candidates went together and had that four-hour prayer meeting. It's amazing. Now, the reason I share... All of this is because I believe the reason our nation found so much favor is because as they sought God, even from the top down, the Lord has elevated and given influence and authority. And I believe that, listen, friend, this isn't just, I'm not just talking to candidates who are running for offices like these today. I believe God's call on every man and woman of God is a kingly anointing. And he desires to raise us up, not just to be church attenders who give and attend and do good from time to time. He is raising us up to be a kingdom 
of priests who rule and reign with Jesus Christ. In fact, I've, I've just got three points for you today. Are you ready for this? I feel like you guys are with me this morning, and it's wonderful. The Bible calls us kingly priests, but number one, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I've said it many times already, but number one, we are kings. We are kings. Now, I'm not just talking about our church. Yeah, as a church, we are kings, but the Bible calls you kings. If your life has been surrendered to Jesus, you are a king. Now, you see this in Revelation 1 and verse 5. We read it in our Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, our first Peter text. It says that he's raising us up to be a kingdom of priests. But Revelation 1.5 says this. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, he's the ruler over all kings of the earth. So there we see Jesus is a ruler over the kings of the earth. But watch what he says. To him who loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Is anybody thankful Jesus has washed your sins away? Hallelujah. He has washed our sins in his blood and made us kings and priests to his God and Father. And then watch what he says. To him be glory. Everybody say glory. glory. And dominion. Say dominion. Forever and ever. Amen. He was made king over all kings. He is the king of kings, the Bible declares. But because he loved us and shed his blood for us, the Bible says he has made you and me kings and priests unto our God. Over and over and over again, you'll see the Bible calls us kings and priests. I'm going to give you a number of those references today. In that passage... It, it expresses that what Jesus has done for us, he has washed us because he loved us, and he has elevated us. In fact, if you look scripturally, these are the two highest offices that a man or a woman can hold, that of a priest and that of a king. And all that we do, friend, we reflect the nature of his kingdom, and the Bible uses two words to describe his kingdom. I had you repeat them, glory and dominion. Everything we do reflects the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and His kingdom looks like glory and dominion. I'm going to explain what that is in just a moment. But you understand, let me give you a practical example on this. This last week, uh, my son and I, as well as Minister Rylin, went to Alaska. And from the very beginning, one of the pastors greeted my son. Gabriel opens his mouth, and he could tell, even just from hearing his voice, that he was my son. Oh, there's authority on that voice. And, and he begins, but everywhere they go, I mean, I use my son for moments in prayer. He would minister over people. I mean, the power of God was flowing in him and through him. And you understand, every time people look at my son or even my daughter, who is beautiful, dancing up here this morning. Oh, I love it. I can't watch her because I start to cry when I watch her dance. Um, but as I watch, you understand these children sitting here on the front row represent and reflect their father. As they pray, as they minister, as they dance, uh, now I'm not a dancer, I've tried, but you understand everything they do represents and it reflects our family. In fact, 
even if they're being naughty, if they are, uh, you know, I mean, Gabriel, he was, he was like, there's a, there's a video of him on social media taking off his life vest. He was in a swimming competition. He won, and he's taking his, I mean, and he just looks like a, like a model or something. I mean, you see his six-pack and everything. And, um, I'm actually praying that I will reflect that once again. Uh, I used to have one of those. I don't know where it went. Uh, but... Everything that he does, you understand, he represents his family. And in the very same way, church, you and I, as we have been born again, we have been born of God, the Bible says, everything we do reflects our Father in heaven. Everything we, it would do us well to consider that when you're going out to eat. I used to be a waiter, and uh, uh, one of the things that I've heard from many waiters and waitresses is they say the worst hour that you can work is the hour after church gets out on Sundays. Because the people that come in, they're so rude, they're so demanding, they're so this and that. And, and I'm just, I, I want to remind you this morning that everything you and I do, we reflect our God. We reflect our King. We represent our Heavenly Father. Please, if you're going to be a jerk, don't wear a King shirt. I'm just telling you, please. You represent our God. And the Bible actually says a number of things that that's supposed to look like. That text that I just read a moment ago, Jesus has become ruler and king. And it uses two words to describe his kingdom, glory and dominion. Do you know what glory is? If you're taking notes, this is the second thing. Kings are to demonstrate glory. And to give you, I know that's a kind of an old school word, I preached about glory a number of months ago. And here's my simple definition of glory. It's not just a phrase that you hear your grandpa say glory, like as a substitute to amen or something, glory. No, glory, hear me on this, is a physical manifestation of an attribute of God. That's what glory is. It is a physical manifestation of an attribute of God. So when we were singing I think it was the second song today, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. We're praying the Lord's prayer. We were declaring our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in these moments, if God begins to intervene, you understand, when healing that has been purchased by Jesus 2,000 years ago, it's available in the heavenly realm, but when that manifests here on the earth, that's glory. When you who were in sin, you were broken, you were wounded, you were addicted, you were separated from God. But the moment that the forgiveness that Jesus operate, uh, has, has made available, the moment that is released in our lives and you have now been cleansed, washed, and forgiven, made a new creation called a saint, no longer a sinner, that is glory. Are you trekking with me so far? When, when broken marriages are restored... Glory. When, when building programs are supplied for, it's a miracle that we're sitting here in this property. I, I mean, literally, we didn't know where to find the owner of this building. We're searching around. We, we, we had heard that it was an investor from Korea, and we didn't know. How in the world are we going to find the owner of this building? And so, uh, I mean, I asked the management company and others, and uh, I mean, there's a whole story there. But as we're praying... I have a dream one night. 
And a pastor comes to me in the dream. We had sent people up to the county office. In fact, Minister Adele went up to the county office looking through public records, trying to find a tax document with a name or anything on it. But it was all run through this management company, and they wanted everything to remain private. So it was a real task to find this. And so I, I, I go to sleep one night, and in a dream, a pastor comes up to me and says, you will buy your building out of Coconut Grove. I didn't know what Coconut Grove was. My wife and I were flying back and forth from Maui at that time, but she knew. And so I, I said, Leah, I had this dream, and in the dream, Pastor Jim comes up to me and says, we're going to buy our building out of Coconut Grove. And she's like, you know what Coconut Grove is, right? I said, no, I have no idea. And she says, that's that sand volleyball court area. There's that coffee shop, those restaurants that we like. And I say, well, let's go get coffee. And so uh, we go. We get coffee, we order our coffee, and I asked the girl behind the counter, I said, this is a weird question, but do you have any idea who owns the King Kamehameha Mall right up the road? And she says, yeah, the same man who owns this coffee shop owns that mall. And I said, really? And I said, could I have his phone number, please? And uh, I mean, long story short, within an hour, and it was a miracle. He was from Korea. In fact, as we met him, we found out that his mom was one of the foundational intercessors for Dr. Cho's church in Korea. Absolutely amazing. He's a Christian man, and he had come over here to do some work on this project, which he was turning into a Korean barbecue, and it was right in the window where COVID struck. His nation shut down, and he wasn't able to travel home. So he got stuck here. He wasn't here for years prior, and he's not been back here for years since. But just in that window, God saw fit to have him here speak to me through a dream. I mean, you guys, you know what that is? That's, that's glory, prophecy, miracles. Yes, glory, glory. When something, an attribute of heaven is released on the earth, I didn't know that, but God made his knowledge my knowledge in that moment. And look, how many thankful that we have a building to worship in? Hallelujah. Even if it does rain a little bit in here, I'm noticing, but hey, we're going to be in our new sanctuary very soon. God desires to demonstrate his glory. I want to summarize a passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. It talks about glory, and I'll just paraphrase the passage. In Hebrews 2, it talks about how when God created Adam and Eve, he desired them to be crowned with glory and honor. Other translations say glory and dominion. Glory, I've expressed to you, it, they are manifestations of the presence of God in our midst. But what's interesting is the writer of Hebrews acknowledges, you look around and even though mankind is supposed to operate in the glory of God, in the dominion of God, we look around and it's plain to see that's not happening. We recognize that there's still work to be done. But he goes on to say, Jesus was crowned with glory and crowned with dominion, and he is able to do all that Adam and Eve failed to do. And through Jesus, you and I have been called up to operate in the very same way. Now, I want you to understand, because this is part of our kingly call. 
that in whatever sphere in arena you have influence and authority, God desires to be you to be a vessel through which his presence and his glory is released. That means in your workplace, you can actually see miracles happen. That means when you see people who are gripped by depression in your high school, you can be the voice of encouragement that would set them free. That when you see hopeless moms uh, uh, who are maybe in a single mom situation and you recognize, I have the means to, to supply something that they need, you can be God's hand extended into that situation. That's glory, church. That's part of our kingly anointing. We're supposed to represent the glory of God. That when people look at you, they recognize there's something different about you. I, I, it was just, it was mind-boggling. We were, we were going, about to go into a, a restaurant on Wednesday, I think, of this last week. And some random lady comes up to us. And she's like, I don't know who you guys are, but would you be willing to pray for me? And I was just like, what in the world is this about? And, uh, and, she, and I said, well, sure. I said, me and, uh, this is me and my son, and this is another one of our pastors. Uh, of course we'll pray for you. And she says, um, she says, today would have been the ninth birthday of my son, but he passed away just a couple years ago, and it's a very hard time for me. She's like, will you pray for me? And I, I like, what is it that she saw about us? That she would think to even come and ask us for prayer. I believe is the glory. We walk in this kingly anointing. and We got to pray for her. We got to meet her husband just a few moments later. Got to encourage her. Uh, and then we found out, and this was so cool. She's already learned to see the glory of God because we found out that about a month earlier, she had just started attending our extension in Eagle River. She was a part of our king's family. It was so cool. It was amazing. And so God desires that for all of us, to be his hand extended everywhere we go. That is glory. Now, I, I recognize that there is a degree that we will operate here in this life. And one day, Jesus will fulfill it all. Your life and your salvation is maybe the simplest example of this. I, I understand that... Um, 20 years ago, nearly 20 years ago, I'm getting old, you guys. It's amazing how quickly time goes. 20 years ago, I was dying of a drug overdose in a parking lot. I was severely gripped by drugs, and I was dying in a parking lot. And I cried out to the Lord. I had not been faithful to him. I was not walking with him. But in that moment of desperation, I knew who to call out to. And I felt the presence and the power of God come upon me, and it raised me up from that moment. And I stand today not saying that I'm trying to get free, I'm still working on it. No, I stand to you today free from drug addiction for nearly 20 years. Absolutely incredible. And God has done a wonderful work in my life in so many areas. I reflect the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. But I am a work in progress. How many of you are still a work in progress? Every one of us, when my temper flares up, when I, when, I, when I get frustrated in a situation, when my heart is heavy, these are all moments where I recognize, Jesus, you've done an eternal and massive work in my life, but there's more to be done. 
One day, the Bible says we will receive a glorified body. We will fully embody his glory. Today, we do to a measure. But one day, we will fully. And my body won't hurt anymore. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Our bodies won't hurt anymore. Our minds will not slip away. We're going we're gonna to be renewed and we're going to be whole once again. Jesus is going to come. He's going to do that very same work in the earth. We will embody his glory. Everybody say glory. glory. And here's the last one. Kings are to demonstrate dominion. Everybody say dominion. Now that's a scary word. What are you saying, Pastor? We're going to take over the world pretty much. Yeah, I really think so. This is the next word that the text uses to describe the nature of Jesus and his kingdom, but also those who rule and reign with him. It is dominion. This is the way Webster's defines dominion, which I like to pull from the 1828 version of Webster's. Did you know that Noah Webster was a Bible translator? You could actually preach from Webster's dictionary if you find the old one. This is the way he defines dominion. Sovereign or supreme authority. How many know Jesus as sovereign and supreme authority? The power of governing or controlling. The power to direct and control. It's a territory under a government, a region, a, con a county, or a district. That's what dominion is. This is why we felt it was important to purchase a property right here in Kona. We're not just renting a place, but we believe even as we have purchased a property, we say over this property, Lord, you have dominion. You have supreme authority. This is why it's important to dedicate your house to the Lord. Understand, this is being done bit by bit. It's not been done across the board. I can't speak for every home. I can't speak for every nation. But when I see a nation that's been dedicated to God, when I see homes that have been dedicated to God, workplaces that have been dedicated to God, this is what I expect. God's supreme authority in those regions and areas. Revelation 5.11 says that he has made us kings and priests to our God, and we will reign on the earth. That's a big deal, friend. 2 Timothy 2, we, we shared this a moment ago, 11. If we died with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Do you know that God has called you to live in dominion on the earth? Some of you... I, I, I just, I want to put this in perspective, and I'm going to share one story, and we're going to close. You say, how does that apply to me, Pastor Jacob? I want you to begin to think in terms. The Bible says that you have been called to be the head and not the tail. That you are called to be above and not beneath. That you are to be the lender and not the borrower. You are called to be the first and not the last. And I want you to begin to think about that in whatever realm or arena you're living in. I began to share this when I was pastoring in Lahaina. And two individuals come to mind. And the reason I highlight them is because they visited with us and you probably know them. There's a young man by the name of Kaleo. And Kaleo, at the time that I began to share some of these ideas, was a low-level employee in Starbucks. But he began to get this idea that if I'm a son or daughter of the Most High God, 
and he's called me to a life of glory and dominion, that means that I should be the first in the workplace. And God began to give him favor and favor and favor. In fact, they shut down one store in Lahaina and they opened a brand new store. And this low-level employee was called up and asked to manage that store. He shared with me, now this is insane. He shared that over the course of this last year, his store, his single store in Lahaina was the highest trafficked store in the entire state of Hawaii. That's mind-boggling. What is that? From a low-level employee to the most traffic store, managing the most traffic store in the entire state. That's dominion, friend. That's God elevating him and giving him favor. I could go on and on. Minister, would you come and join me on the piano here as we prepare to close? One of the simplest Examples I could give would even just to be to consider the history of our state. You understand that in the kingdom of Hawaii, before we were actually recognized as a state, uh, there was a revival that took place. In fact, most of that revival was centered right here on the Big Island. There was a young man by the name of Titus Cohen. And the Lord began to pour out his spirit in a dramatic way. There was, in the wake of a massive tsunami that wiped out, killed, killed thousands, tsunami came, wiped out devastated buildings, and the church rose up in that moment. They were a very small congregation, and there's about as many people as are sitting in this room right now. They said they had about 100 adults and 100 young people. But that church became the answer to a need in the community. They began to provide for those who had lost their homes. They began to give clothing. They provided food and shelter, whatever they could do. And they preached the word. Many of these were away from God. Many hadn't even heard the gospel of Jesus Christ by that time. But they began to share with them about the hope and the redemption that there is in Christ Jesus. And God began to breathe on that. A tremendous revival. A mighty, mighty work of God. In fact, did you know that in the height of that revival, the largest church, hear me on this, the largest church in the world was right here on the Big Island. 19,877. Over 90% of this island we live on were faithfully committed to the local church. That's mind-boggling. That was a, an awakening in religion. But listen, friend, it didn't stop there. It's why I prayed the way I did this morning. I'm not praying that God would raise up this house as a hub of revival, a miracle-working people, a people of faith and dominion, just so we can have happy, clappy meetings right here in the church. What Cohen did is they began to release people into education. They built schools. They raised up educators. Did you know that in Hawaii... There was a time where the literacy rate, people who could read, exceeded 90%. The kingdom of Hawaii was the most literate nation on the planet. It's incredible. 90%. I want you to know, today in the United States of America, our literacy rate is not 90%. They had a higher literacy rate 
And it was a direct outflow because these missionaries felt a burden. We're not just going to have religious meetings. We're going to impact every sphere that God would allow us to influence. Politics. It wasn't just locals and commoners who were born again. In fact, the revival began to break out because royalty, kings, queens, and ruling chiefs decided to surrender their life to Jesus. And it's what opened people who were under their care to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. Technology. Did you know that Iolani Palace on Oahu, this is a crazy fact, they had electricity in Iolani Palace before the White House had electricity. You say, what's that about? God was giving dominion to every sphere of influence because the people loved and revered God. That is revival, friend. And I want you, would you stand to your feet? I want you to begin to prayerfully consider, Lord, what's my part in this? It may be in the political arena. And I believe as we revere, honor, fear, serve the Lord, that God's going to begin to manifest his glory and he'll allow us to operate in dominion on the earth. But even beyond that, some of you are called to education. Some are called to technology. Some of you are called to have influence in social media, media, television, radio, whatever it may be. It may be in religion. It may be the church, the people of God. But in whatever area, I truly want you to begin to examine, Lord, what is the field that you've laid before me? Because I'm not going to operate in some low-level position in this any longer. I want to be all that you've called me to be. If you've called me to be a king and a priest unto you, God, I want to manifest your glory and I want to manifest your dominion. That's what God has called us to. With every head bowed and everyone praying, I believe that God is calling us higher. I believe that God is calling us up. For some of you, it may mean a career change. It may mean something like that. But for others, it means you need to set your eyes not to be a low-level employee just coasting along anymore, but to believe that God is going to elevate you to be the head and not the tail, the first and not the last, the lender and not the borrower. God is going to give his people dominion, and he's going to give them authority if we would simply trust Jesus. You've not called me to just hold the fort. You've not called me to just coast along, but you have called me to be a king and a priest unto you. Can I ask you to lift your hands as a sign of surrender all across this room? Lord, I thank you that you are calling even this church higher. We're not just going to be a people that cruise any longer. But God, I pray that our lives, even through our hands, through our words and our declaration, you would manifest your glory. All that we do representing you well, Lord Jesus, that all we set our hands to, it will prosper. And people are going to look, where did that favor come from? Where did that idea come from? And it will all point back to you, King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray over this people in Jesus' name that, Lord, you would give us dominion 
name that you would give us authority that your sovereign rule and reign would be expressed in every sphere you've given us influence we have educators in this room we have politicians in this room we have church workers in this room and people who work in technology and the media and on and on and God I'm praying that wherever you have called us to you're raising us higher and you're going to use us in every sphere that we've been called to we surrender our lives to you and we ask you to use us Lord for your glory and for your namesake in Jesus name I pray amen amen can we give God praise hallelujah hallelujah I'm going to speak a blessing over us. At this time, I'd actually like our candidates, you guys can go ahead and, and make your way into the hallway. Um, we'll let you guys get ready for when we're going to come hang out with you in just a moment. Church, I want to, I want to give everybody within the sound of my voice an opportunity. Maybe God is speaking to your heart and you know it's time for me to step into what God has called me to do. But it all begins, hear me on this, it all begins in the moment we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ as our Savior. That's where this all begins. You can't have His dominion, you cannot have His authority unless you've surrendered your life to Him as your King and your Lord. The Bible's made this so simple. Jesus shed his blood, the Bible says, because he loved us. And if we'll surrender our lives to him, he'll do a redemptive work in each and every one of us. You can leave here today knowing that you've been cleansed and forgiven and that you're a saint of the Most High God. With every head bowed and everyone praying, if you say, Pastor, I need to surrender my life today. I'm not sure that if I were to die today, if I would be received into heaven, but I want to be all that God has called me to be. I want to be forgiven before I leave here today. If that be you, would you just lift your hand so I know exactly who I'm praying for? I need Jesus to forgive me. I see you. I see you. Yeah, I see you there. Yeah, I see you over there. God bless you guys. Even if you're watching online and you have a, you know, you want to send us a message, say, include me in your prayer. How do I get right with God? Hallelujah. Can I ask you all to to lift your hands just as a sign of surrender. And we're going to pray. We're going to join those who are so bold to raise their hands and say, yeah, that's me. But I want to include us all in this right now. Would you just pray right out loud with me? Pray, dear Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I've sinned. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me in your blood and make me brand new. I surrender my life to you. You are my King, you are my Lord, and you are my Savior. Work in me. May I be all that you've called me to be. Give me your righteousness and manifest your presence in my life. May I walk in dominion and authority just as you do. Help me, Lord. Lead and direct me all the days of my life. In your precious name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Now listen, I know there were about five or six people that raised your hand a moment ago. And we have a free gift for you out in the hallway. It's a devotion we'd like to put in your hand, pray with you personally. And so you be sure and stop by the banner. It says next steps. And we'll have some of our leaders there who would love to meet you, pray with you personally. But let me speak a blessing over you. And then I'll let you go and, and fellowship with our special guest today. Today, I bless you. In the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Abraham was blessed in every way, may God bless you in every detail of your life. As God blessed Jacob, changing his name to Israel, may your name Christian cause you to be fruitful and multiply in all you set your hands to do. When you're tempted and tried, may you come forth victoriously just as Job, resulting in twice as much as you had before. As you raise your children in the admonition of the Lord, may they in turn grow up godly, bringing honor to your family name. When you honor God with your tithe, may financial and material blessing run you down and overtake you in every area. May the devourer be rebuked and annihilated while others rise up and call you blessed. As you wait upon the Lord, obey his word and seek him above all else. May the blessing of strength, courage, protection, and favor be your reward. May the Lord watch over and guard your going out and your coming in. Kings Kona, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he shine his light upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. I bless you in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen.